Welcome to Come On Your Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Gareth Wheeler, as per usual, alongside my co-host, my good friend and yours, Mr. Terry Dunfield, at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. I believe this is episode 105. Uh, we have plenty to get to this week with Toronto FC for the first time all season dropping back-to-back games. We're going to introduce a new segment on the program and look ahead to this weekend, which should be a celebratory one for your Toronto FC as they take on the New York Red Bulls as we are officially, we've been saying this for weeks, but we're really officially within touching distance of the Supporters' Shield. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Good. Great. Uh, busy night last night. Little what are you, here. good or great? I'm in between. I'm good, great. A little bit tired. Busy night last night. TFC 2 had a great result against Louisville, beating the league leaders of the USL 1-0 at home. I uh, was part of the broadcast team for that. And then... Uh, on to the next broadcast, Vancouver, Seattle. So as soon as I shut my eyes last night, all I was seeing was soccer ball. Then you flew to Seattle, so you called TFC2, flew to Seattle, and then did that game. Is that how this works? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I flew to Seattle. Uh, you could actually see me at the back of the, the Dan and Jay show. Jay and Dan? Jay and Dan. On TSN? Just going back behind the back of the set after calling the game. Nice, nice. TSN has the technology to transport people from one location to another. Technology, hot, baby. hot tub time machine. <laughs> you wish that you had. I wish I had a hot tub time machine. Um, my week, I'm not going to lie to you, Terry. It's been pretty crap. And I, I don't want to get into too much of, of my personal side of things. But I mean, having this toothache since May, like literally since May, uh, it turned out that there was a crack inside my tooth. Like it didn't even pick up on the x-ray. So I was in massive pain. I was taking homeopathic remedies all summer long and they worked up until last week. The pain came back and on Monday, I had my tooth extracted. I had my right back molar taken out. You see that? Wow. Well, you have a big Something hole in your there. mouth. Nice. Dude, and like, I'm not a big dentist guy. And it was like, so never, is it last minute surgery type thing? I've never How had two it? tooth problems in my life. I called them Monday morning. I'm like, I cannot deal with this pain anymore. So they had me in. You look like a hockey player. They, I don't look swollen. I think I look no, fine. Um, but they, they free, they froze my mouth. And then he tries to start pulling it. I'm like, oh my god, I'm just dripping sweat because he's this is pulling a tense it with scenario. He's pulling. I'm it. awake, and he's like, oh, I can't get it. But he's like calipers in there or something. No, just like they were just in my mouth, and they're like, well, we can't get it. Is so... this a dentist off Young Street or is this like a legit dentist? It, well, it is off Young Street, <laughs> but like it's also a legit legit dentist. So he comes out and saws my tooth in half. As I'm still awake, saws my tooth in half, in half and then takes out one side and the other side. Just yanks it. That was a pretty big tooth. It's my back molar. I brought it. Oh. Do you know what the worst part about it all? I bring it home. I put it under my pillow and the tooth fairy didn't even come. I thought, you I thought the tooth fairy would have come twice. No kidding. So that's how my week started. That was a rubbish joke, sorry. Yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's not early, bad. it's early. Yeah. We're just getting going. So I'm toothless. I'm sorry about that. I'm missing a tooth. Like TFC's attack against New England. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> that's better. Well put. So, uh, but I'm still going to show a little bit 
more bite going forward, much like TFC's attack this weekend against and like New York it's been all season or New York Red Bulls. Uh, so en- enough about me. Let's let's get into the team. Let's get straight to it. The two's good now, though. Everything's fine. I'm a little sore. Yeah, a little sore, but I'm okay. I'm a gamer, you know. I'm uh, a bit sore too. We we had a at Kia training ground, a wonderful event. It's the fourth year running now. Holland and Bloorview Charity Day. And uh, it's a six-a-side tournament, uh, local company. It was hot. That, that happened Monday. It was, so. Yeah, it was north of 40 uh, on, the, on the turf pitch. It was hard. I got to the semis this year. I was playing for Rogers. Uh, lost to the last minute goal. Won it last year with Cisco. Chris Posniak, TFC, two assistant coach. He won it with Cisco. It was quite cool. They did a celebrity draft. Uh, this was my thing, okay? I would not have played because... I want to. I want to go where I got drafted. I was like Sidney Crosby. Let me get to okay, it. Okay, <laughs> no, no. But I never even got an invite out to this tournament. What's going on here? It, it must have got lost in the lost mail. my number lost in the mail? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, Maybe they sent you a page. Okay. <laughs> Just. I used to have a pager back in the day. Really? That's oh, why they yeah. call you Big Cheese. And, and and then you just put in the numbers and you just end up paging people boobies all the time because that was the only word that you could spell on your pager. Boobless. Yeah, yeah, that was it. I always wonder how pagers work, but then you had to get to a, a phone, pay phone, Bruce a, Willis style. A, a regular landline phone. Right. I had a pager all through high school. Huh. It wasn't just for drug dealers. It was just for nerdy kids like me too. So. So, what about you? Sort of head cool bandana kids. around your wrist. I Talk did. me through that quickly. No, that's a, we're jumping all okay, over the place. Sorry. here. We, we got that's pretty cool. We got to keep it focused. <laughs> so the tournament went well. You were drafted first overall. Uh, yeah, Sydney Crosby. Tons of money was raised for Holland and Bloorview. Wonderful event. Um, and uh, thanks for everyone that partaked in it. And uh, each year it's just getting bigger and bigger. And there's talks that MLSC Foundation is going to uh, join up with uh, the tournament again next season. Good stuff. Wow, it was a charitable week. On, on Saturday, I spoke at the Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer in benefit of the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. So look at us doing... We're good citizens, proper citizens of uh, this fine city of Toronto. Uh, TFC uh, went into New England. It was like last week's podcast, we were fresh off the Montreal Impact loss, which I think we were stunned a little bit by the way the game played out, Terry. And the fact that, yes, it was a difficult schedule. Yes, you're going up against a desperate team. But to concede that many goals on home field, I, I think, still think we were kind of shocked about the way that things transpired. Especially the way it played out and, and the goals TFC conceded, yes. conceded. They were so uncharacteristic and a lot of compounded individual errors, which, which we haven't seen this year. And uh, we saw a really hungry team, the Montreal Impact, come into town. And they, they took advantage of, of the gifts that TFC gave them. And good character from TFC in the second half to fight back. And at 5-3, had a couple of opportunities to potentially make it 5-4. If one of those gets in, I think it's a real exciting finish. I, I, I just wanted to point that out because the context of last week's games, it was very difficult for Toronto FC playing on the West Coast in Los Angeles, coming away with the three points, however, flying back, playing a desperate team in the Montreal Impact, playing their rival against a team that's fighting for their lives. And then Saturday, on short rest, you take on a team that didn't play a midweek game in New, in New, in the New England Revolution. They're a team that just fired their manager in Jay Heaps, bringing a man that you're familiar with from your time in Vancouver and Tommy Soen. And another team, just like Montreal, fighting tooth and nail for their playoff lives at that point. You're playing on turf. 
you're down men, short rest. It was like the context wasn't great heading into that matchup. And context matters. It really does. And you can hit teams in MLS at the right times and at the wrong times a little bit. And the last seven days for TFC have been difficult. Also, no Javinko, no Altador as well. So it's been difficult. And you, and you, the long trip to the West Coast and, and then back, it's like flying to Europe. And that really zaps the players. And, uh, you know, I, th I don't want to make excuses for the team, but, but that I think for me um, is a big, big factor. Uh, there were a bunch of changes to the side that Toronto FC played against New England. Clint Irwin came in for a game, spelling Alex Bono. Um, Vanny made sure to tell everyone that Bono still is number one goalkeeper, but to get Clint a game, I think that was smart coming off the Montreal performance. The fullbacks became proper center halves in Betashore and Morrow dropping to the back three, replacing Mavinga and Zavaleta. Mavinga has a little bit of an abdominal issue that he was resting over the weekend. Eric, like myself, had a, had a dental procedure done. That meant that Hasler and Edwards came into the team. Also, Victor Vasquez made his return to the starting 11 coming into the midfield. So still a strong team. And I thought over the first 40, 45 minutes, it wasn't the most free-flowing, entertaining style of game that you, you'd want to see. That turf oftentimes holds up the ball. It's a little slow. It's a little sticky, Terry. But to keep New England scoreless, a team that absolutely owns you at Gillette Stadium, I thought the first half went by the book, and that was something that Toronto FC would have been happy with coming you know, away uh, nil nil uh, through 45 minutes. Yeah, I think so, especially on the back of the Montreal result. Uh, I, I think it's important that you get through that first 10, 15 minutes unscathed and, and then and then go from there. Uh, I think the Clint Irwin change was penciled in from months ago. I think Greg Vanny would have looked at the schedule and right. seen when you could get Clint Irwin a, a chance. And, and I, th I thought uh, when I saw him in the lineup, I wasn't too surprised and, and I thought it was the right move, uh, just protecting Bono a little bit. Uh, it was interesting to see Betashore and Morrow play alongside Moore. Uh, I thought they did quite a good job. Uh, it, it's not easy sl dropping back into that position, again, showing their versatility and, and, and their game intelligence as I'm well. I'm with you. I think that if if you want to play Hasler a little bit more, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Nicholas Hasler in, in a few moments, but if you want to play him a little bit more, Betashore can drop back and slot into that right side of the three. He, he can do. I, I still think... When everybody's fit, Zavaleta and Hagland, I think there are better options on the right side of the three. But Betashore, again, showed he can play there. And for Betashore, he's got real competition on his hands with, with Hassler. I, th I think Hassler is has been a been a very very good acquisition. I, I think a few eyebrows were were lifted when he was signed, but he's come in. He's really hit the ground running. Running. He's got a great profile for this league. Loves to get forward, playing with a, a lot of enthusiasm. And, and he's really playing like he, he wants to be here next year and, and taking this opportunity by the scruff. Of the a little bit like when Toe St. Ricketts came in last season right. where he's almost playing for his future. With Victor Vasquez back in the team, I mean, they're just a different group. And Vasquez showed some phenomenal skill multiple times in the first half. But the one move where he put... Gershon Kofi on toast. The ball was played into him. He used his body, just spun it around the back. Little back heel, I believe, to Azorio. Ball sprayed wide right. Hasler inside the area for Ricketts. Ball back of the net. But Ricketts was just offside. I mean, that was worthy of a goal. That was such a beautiful... It was so composed. 
and he makes it look easy, doesn't he, Terry? Jeez, I'm so glad you brought that up. And, and <laughs> I, I, I was cheese on toast. I was uh, I was at a, an event at the Ontario Soccer Centre this weekend, uh, an identification one, scouting players for the academy, and uh, I wasn't able to get home to watch the game, so I watched it at a Firkin pub up in Vaughan, and I remember watching that trick uh, uh, that Vasquez did, and I shouted out, "Behave, son!" And uh, the, the uh, waitress walks past me, and she said, "Did you just tell me to behave?" She's like, you behave. <laughs> yeah, you behave. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was unbelievable. Sublime skill. And he's got eyes in the back of his head. He knows where everybody is in and around him. And, and he's also got the technique to back up that vision. So, so good. And I felt felt a little bit sorry for my mate Gershon Kofi. I played with him in Vancouver. <laughs> At that point, you're just thinking, wow, this is going to be played a lot on the highlights. <laughs> but you're, if you're Kofi, you're just like, thank God that flag went up. Yeah. It, it was it was honestly the perfectly designed play, and that's what I love about Toronto. Toronto, I've seen the way that this team's play. This team plays whether it's right to left or left to right. Those quick moves through the middle, whether it's Azorio, Bradley, um, Vasquez, Delgado, whoever, when they switch that ball quick with those wing backs getting forward, it just works. And Hasler had so much space, delivered a good ball. It was just Ricketts just marginally offside. Yeah, I think the the linesman gets it right, and 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 that move doesn't happen by accident this no. is something Greg Vanny and his coaching staff work on timelessly on the training ground moving that ball across that direct game channel one and two touch and Marky Delgado he's very good at that Azorio one or two touches and that ball goes out wide and then flooding the box with bodies anything else to do with the first half of play just going back to your point and what Michael Bradley said after the game it, it, I remember looking up obviously to the to the screen and my first thought was was the pitch is horrible oh. it, it, it's awful at Fox where I know I know they take a ton of stick, but it has to be better. I understand that the Kraft family own not only the stadium, but all the shopping area in and around it, and they don't really want to move from that area or build a new facility. And uh, But for me, it, not only the pitch, the, again, it was a good crowd, Football but you feel lines. like you're at a reserve and, game. And the TFC grounds crew tweeted out, it's like lines like that on the field's unacceptable. At StubHub Center in, in Los Angeles the weekend before they played, it was TFC Galaxy on Saturday night, and then it was the, the new Los Angeles Chargers there on Sunday. You can do that quick turnaround. It looked Bush League. It looked like watching the league in the 90s or even or even beyond that that's a great North way American to say it football no no, no that's, exa that's exactly what it looked like it looked like i was watching pat onstad play back in the day and you know for a player as well when there's different lines on the pitch it, you, you kind of lose a little bit of a feel of of your surroundings and around you it, it's not i I've, I've been there before and i i really don't like it where you kind of lose your sort of dimensions if that makes sense yeah you lose a little bit of perspective. So uh, I, I know New England knows that they can do better, but you're hearing, you know, D.C. building new stadiums, and, and I'm not hearing a lot coming out of New England at the moment. It's, uh, it's not good enough. Let's put it that way. The second half was much more watchable. Five minutes of madness. Three goals were scored, which really defined the night. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Wheeler and Dunfield with you at Wheeler TSN and Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. We're looking back at Toronto FC's 2-1 loss in New England, and a goal wasn't scored until the 82nd minute. As the time wore on, I just thought it was like, when you're watching, you're like, is Toronto FC actually going to be able to come away with a clean sheet in New England? 
because they lost or not, they hadn't won a game in their last five on their travels to Gillette Stadium. New England's form at home is very good as well. But TFC traditionally over this year and last year have been great in the last 15 minute, 15 minutes of halves. But then it was all for naught in the 82nd minute. It was the New England Revolution finally finding some space. The substitute Lee Wynn comes in and found some space in behind Michael Bradley, Terry. Yeah, Lee Wynn, he's, he's, uh, his movement and, and, and how he's able to find pockets of space just, just in front of the back line either side of Michael Bradley, not just on the weekend, but, but every time he seems to play against TFC, he, he causes problems and he, he's so composed on the ball. Yeah, it, it was a great run in behind the back line. That's something that we saw last week, and I don't know if it was communication or the way that teams are trying to play. They're trying to find space in between Michael, the deep-line midfielder, and the back three. And that's what's going to be so key is keeping that compact. And that's what I think you learn from that goal is when you need to close down space on the ball, th the fact that it's being... Um, distributed from a deeper lying position trying to find those pockets of space i mean that's what tfc does so well quite frankly is is getting in between the lines but that's what they did on that opening goal there terry so. and, and it shouldn't have come as surprise new england like to set up their attacks like that and toronto fc will need to be very careful against new york red bulls on the weekend as well because the red bulls have a player in sasa question who's caused tfc problems in the yes. past just getting either side of michael bradley it's and, and when it's like that you just just need to have a, a, a he needs to organize Jonathan Azorio, Marky Delgado, Vasquez, who's ever playing ahead of him, to just cut down those passing well, lanes or possibly play a little bit deeper. Just give himself a little bit more protection, or just if teams have time on the ball, have good possession. Just drop deep, rel relinquish a little bit of territory, and that gives you a little bit more protection. Bradley lost his man on that goal, okay? Like, that's fine, but to help him out, I wouldn't mind the defensive three taking a step up. Just keep it, like, playing a little bit of a higher line, and I know that, th that they, they don't want to give away too much space because they're not the fastest group, but at the same time, if you limit that pocket of space, just trust what's in behind you. Yeah, I mean, that's a way of doing it, and, and to step and, and press a little bit higher from the back. I'm not saying dramatically. I'm just saying, yeah, just yeah, take a step yeah, forward. Yeah, I, I see that and, and that, and that's another way to, do, to, to, to prevent it. For me, I like to sort of just delay and, and drop a little bit deeper. Do you? Give the team a little bit more time uh, to get back and say, look, if you can beat me from 30 yards and stick it in the top corner, I'll hold my hands up. And, and you know, I think Clint Irwin took a little bit of stick for this goal it was a deflected shot um possibly he could have stood up for me it's difficult when it deflects yeah, like that. yeah came, came off drew more and went into the back of the net difficult for the goalkeeper to react the one thing i would say for clinton he came out twice in the game really well reacted quick off his line got big he didn't get big on that goal you know what i mean he kind of like fell off to the side that that's the only criticism whatsoever, but it's difficult when it comes off a player. Yeah, very much so. And I, I think the game almost summed up Clint Irwin's season, where he was excellent uh, for 82 minutes, and and then all of a sudden you can see the goal which, uh, that's a deflection, and um, he just can't catch a, catch a break right now. Uh, if I'm honest, I thought he made a couple 
very good stops. Yes. He was brave off his line, made himself big. Thought his distribution was good, and it's not easy coming in out of the cold as well. Agreed. His, his first start since July 22nd, I believe. Um, but TFC, the response was right there. Michael Bradley with an all-world ball. Like, it was on a platter for Nicholas Hasler, switched it from left to right, Hasler in behind the back line. And it's a good finish by Hasler. All he needs to do is direct it on goal. And he buries into the corner, like nothing fancy, just kind of guided it into the corner. Good for his third goal for Toronto FC. But that ball by Michael Bradley was sensational. Yeah, it was all about the ball from him. And he, and he loves that inside-to-out ball from left to right. Normally, you see him hit it right out to the wing back. This time, he slices open uh, the New England rear guard. And I think you're being a little bit generous to Hassler. I think he was looking to play it back across to Ricketts in the middle of the box. Do you I think he was just didn't no, take a big I swing. I don't think he's trying to score. I, I'd love to ask him, and I'm sure he'd say he will meant it, but I think he's just trying to put it back across goal. And uh, sometimes when you're in good form, things like that happen, and it goes into but the that, back end. But, okay, let's suppose that's what he was trying to do. When you play it across goal, anything can happen. Good things happen. Right. 100%. So it was the proper decision. It was great disguise as well. Do you know what's crazy? That was only Bradley's second assist of the year. Number two. And and I'm a guy that said, like, all season long, Bradley's in the MVP conversation. He's been that good. Only his second assist. Does that surprise you considering how many goals his team scored? A good point. I, I think this year, to, to previous years, he's been playing a lot deeper, and he'll if they did a third or fourth assist for goals, <laughs> it'd, be, right. it'd be north of 30. But he, he's, he's uh, this season really setting off the attacks. And I think oppositions as well are, are trying to get in and around him and stop him from playing. I think the MO on, on TFC is if stop Bradley's service forward, you stop TFC a little bit. I know there's a lot more other things you need to stop. Uh, but he, I think he's springing the attack off from deeper. So maybe that's why he's only got the two assists. Um, but what a ball. It was, it, it was as incredible. You said, it was world class. And uh, I, I, I love the vision to even see the pass. And um, it, it was a bold pass to take on because he really thread the needle. Now, at that point, you're thinking, oh, TFC, good for the away point. That, you know, that, that was the response they needed. Just see this game out. That was my thought. Exactly. At, at a minimum, take a point. That was like me in the charity game. It was 1-1 in the semifinal. Take a point. Yes. And this guy subs himself in in biggest bonehead maneuver ever. He was brutal all <laughs> tournament, right? If you've been awful all tournament, at least just stay on the sidelines, and then you can say, you know what, I'm going to the final with my team, or at least we're going to penalties. Know your role. He comes in. Know your role. He comes in, tries to be an absolute hero, subs himself in, takes out our Drew Moore of the charity tournament, and then goes and stands at left wing. You could have driven a double-decker through our back four, and you wouldn't have seen it. He cost us a tournament, and I've been running around as much as I could, Sidney Crosby, and now I'm out of the tournament watching. It was horrible. Terry making it about himself yet again. That's as fired up as you've ever, you've ever been about losing in a charity tournament. I'm the Juvinko of the charity circuit in Toronto. Uh, I think you're overrating yourself, but we'll leave that alone for now. Let's get to the game-winning no! goal conceded. <laughs> Um, 87th minute, three minutes, and this is so unlike Toronto FC. They concede, and it will drive the coaching staff crazy. It came from a set piece, a short corner. It comes, slow reacting, ball played to the far post, and the athleticism of Kamara on full show. Like, Drew Moore, other defenders were there. 
rose up to challenge for the ball, but Kamara has springs. He has Ricketts-like springs, gets up, Irwin a little bit slow to react, but proper header into the corner, game-winning goal for the New England Revolution. Yeah, once that goes in, it, it, it's it's it was definitely a blow. It was a, a kick in their stones, as as they say <laughs> in uh, say in England. And and it, again, I, I think TFC know all about um, about Kai Kamara's threat in the air. It's no surprise. He's he's probably as the best vertical in the league for any attacking player. Comes from a little bit of a standing jump. I think Irwin could have moved his feet a little bit quicker and gotten over. If I'm being super critical. Uh, but you don't want to c concede from set pieces. This is something the team's really done well at this season. Dan Kalishman, he's one of the coaches here. He looks after defensive set pieces. The team's been immaculate, and, and especially concede right at the end of the game when you've put so much effort in, into a game, and, and it would have been a good point, with again, without Altidore and Javinko. Yeah, so they fall to New England. Uh, new manager, Tommy Soane, your thoughts? Anything? No? Want to leave it alone? <laughs> you bite your tongue here. Okay, that's fine. We'll move on. He moved me on from Vancouver, and it was awesome that I came to <laughs> See, Toronto. See, this is what I want. Rant! <laughs> but you know what he did? He, was, he came into the change room. He was a manager, right? He slithered down from GM, and he was... Slithered? <laughs> okay. And he, he needed to make an impression on the changing room. So he's like, right, what can I do? Who can I move on? And oh, we'll move Dunfield on. And... Uh, he got he moved himself. He got moved on three weeks later. Right. But uh, you know what? Fair play to him. He's he's moved up again from assistant. So uh, if if I'm ever a first team manager in the MLS, I definitely will not be hiring him. Uh, but um, yeah, it seemed like the players played for him. Um, and, and and all the well, best to him. Didn't last night got rinsed by Orlando City. We'll we'll leave that alone for the time being. But Toronto FC because they were unable to come away with a result. The supporter shield has not been clinched as of yet, and based upon last night's results, two teams can still technically catch them in the standings. Just, just, just quickly, Terry. Uh, the first time all season, Toronto FC's lost two games in a row, and the streak of like eight games out of nine that they score three goals or more that comes to an end as well. Yeah, and I think, if I'm brutally honest. Uh, I think TFC missed the threat of Javinko and Altador. I, I don't. I don't think it was a, as apparent against Montreal, uh, but I, I thought their class uh, w was missed. Not only in front of goal, but to open up uh, the New England Revolution. Well, the one thing I I, 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 I thought they were really missed. The one thing I like about Toronto FC and the formation that they play most of the time is that they play two up top. And they can get away with playing Vasquez off Ricketts. Like, it, it still works to a certain degree, but I think it just works better when you really play that 3-5-2. It, it does, and, and, and with R Vasquez and Ricketts up top, it ha to get up the pitch, it has to be total football. You can't go from back to front quick. Right. Ricketts is always playing on shoulders, looking to run in behind. When balls come up to them, it doesn't stick as, as, as much as it might do with Altidore up top. As, as a, he's more of a focal point, shall I say. Uh, and, and when you need to sort of go route one and need someone to hold that ball up, that's where, where Altidore is so, so good. Having said all that, Ricketts has been different class in stepping up. Any concerns coming from those two games? Like I, I, I honestly chalk it down to it was a difficult week based upon context. You had all kinds of squad rotation. No Altidore, no Javinko for both games. Um, 
Mavinga didn't play a game. Zavaleta didn't play a game. Vasquez didn't play a game. Like, I, I can't think of any team, any other team in the league, when you're losing players like that, that can remain that competitive while not being at their best. Like, I think there's a silver lining from this that you got some players' games that needed to to, to, to get some minutes. Sometimes it's good to have a setback now rather than later. I don't think that no the more setbacks now though. We've had enough. No, no, but that, that, that's my whole thing. Like, but you would rather it come at those times and those spots. I, I think you'd rather it never come, but if it has to come now's not the end of the world. I think you look at the new new England trip at the end of a difficult week being a tough one. I think that you're more difficult with, or you're more disappointed with that Montreal loss midweek more so than anything else. And there's a lot of circumstances you can grasp at as well behind this, this the, the loss. I think coming out of the game, my first thought was is I, I I'm worried if Javinko, Altidore, Mavinga don't play against New York Red Bulls on the weekend. Right. Um, it's been an intense week of training. I think this this has sharpened up the group. They're not content with the way that things played out. And the best news for this team is everyone is basically in training. Javinko's been doing a little bit of work on his own. He is still questionable for Saturday's game, but he has not been ruled out. Everyone else is in contention. That means Altidore's back, looks fully fit to me. Nick Haglin's back, a full participant in practice. Benoit Sheru, he will be available. Full, so a full complement available to Greg Vanny. You talk about the intensity of training this week, and I'll tell you exactly why that's there. It's because on the back of two defeats, players are playing for places. There's chances to get into this 11, and you need, as a player, to get into the 11 at this point of the season because... You could be on the outside looking in a little bit like Will Johnson was at the end of last season when the team picked up a little bit of form going into the playoffs. Greg Vanny will stick with, with the team that starts that, hopefully, the run coming into the playoffs. I think he knows who he can count on, who he can rely on. And that's the thing. If, if you're a Haglin, a Shea Rue, or whoever, what's your route back into the team unless it comes through injury? Like that's the that's the tough part so, right so now. Sometimes you you have to know your role and play your role and and whether Shea Rue's role is coming off the bench like he did against Montreal in the 2016 playoffs. He will be there. I think his experience in and around the group is going to be so so important for key games. I, I see him just putting his arm around players' shoulder at the training ground, just having a quiet word in their ears. He, he's a real quiet leader and he's so so important to this group. The, I think Greg Vanny will have three decisions to make based upon positions on the field. It's whether when Haglin comes back, he sticks with Zavaleta on the right side of the three. Uh, it's who to play at the right wing back position, Betisher, Hasler. And I think now there's a conversation in central midfield, whether it's Delgado or Azorio, when you play your be so-called best 11 based on Azorio's play he's been great over the last month yeah he's those been, are the three he, conversations he, he's really stepped up not only for TFC also for Canada and, and I think he's uh working harder two ways he's, he's working hard to track back tactically he's very astute which flies under the radar a little bit and I don't think he could have done anything else with the minutes he's got and he's really taking the opportunity with two hands but what I will say is Marky Delgado adds a, a nice dynamic threat to the midfield with Vasquez and Michael Bradley. He complements those two a little bit better for me. I think Cooper's still struggling for form out wide. I think that's the biggest decision Greg Vanny has to make. Does he go right. with the experienced Betashore that knows the system down to the ground, reliable, so, so consistent, or does he go with the powerful 
hard-running hassler who's come in. He's got goals in his game, uh, and 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 I like his ability to come inside off 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 of the right. Um, so tough, tough decision to make. And uh, I'll say this though: Betasher, Zavaleta, and Delgado. It's not anything that they've done wrong. It's that. There's very good players pushing for those positions. Competition for spots. That's all it is. And it might be it might be a matter of who works best for what opponent or what game, what good, scenario. Very good point. But, I mean, I was here at Kia Training Ground this morning just after 7 and walked past the first team office and Greg Vanny was in, as he always is. He's always one of the first in and, and last to leave. And he was looking up at his board, having a good think about what he's going to do this weekend. And us all the manager loves that, a headache for a selection. We will look ahead to the match against the New York Red Bulls. And a brand-new segment coming up next. You can help us name the segment that's up next right here on come on you reds gareth wheeler terry dunfield with you at wheeler tsn at terry underscore dunfield this is come on you reds a full slate of games last night wednesday we record this podcast thursday morning in major league soccer play atlanta united keeps on rolling steamrolls the philadelphia union as this home late season home field advantage continues to play to their advantage new york city fc David Villa started the game on the bench. Jack Harrison with the winner over a listless Montreal Impact Very side. disjointed Montreal yes. Impact. And, and there was... Back down to earth. There was reports out of New York, as ironic as that might sound, that Nest is coming in to take Biello's job. I don't think that helped either. And, and there was just... Uh, they were all over the gaff, Montreal. And uh, I, I think... Um, I, I think that's the impact are in tough to make the playoffs. Well, I now. mentioned that too, those two games, because because of those results, New York City FC and Atlanta United remain in the supporter shield mix. Vancouver Whitecaps no more. They go to Seattle in a game where Terry Dunfield of the commentary lost three nil to the Vancouver Whitecaps. So it's down to three teams competing no, for no, the sorry, supporter Seattle shields. Lost three nil. Seattle beat Vancouver yeah, beat three Seattle, nil. Three nil. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said. Vancouver's out. So Atlanta United, New York City FC. Still in the Supporter Shield mix, but not really. Toronto FC can claim the club's first ever Supporter Shield this Saturday night at BMO Field against the New York Red Bulls, a team they do have proper history with, clinching their first playoff berth in club history against the Red Bulls at BMO Field. It's it's brilliant how it two sets years up. Ago. Sometimes you can't even write the script any better in, in, in football, and I love it. I, I'm, I've been on the coming and traveling to games, and, and so, some, because I'm a big deal, fans will talk to me. And sometimes speaking with the fans, uh, talk about... Who, who who TFC? I think it was on when they were playing Columbus. I'm not a fan of this Trillium Cup, as I've said a million times. I think that's a manufactured rivalry. And, and I'll ask, uh, speak with the fans about who 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 is TFC's rivals. And obviously Montreal comes up, but the next one that always comes Red up Bulls. is the New York Red Bulls, and that five nil away from home well, they uh, play is, is good in the games. back of their mind. Well, th there's that game that lost, but there's been good games since in recent memory. Like the one at BMO Field last year. What was it? A three one? Yeah. Or three three. Uh, the Red Bulls with their their high kamikaze press, it, it just it leads to open games and, and for neutrals, they're so much fun to watch. One one earlier this year, Benoit Sheru, 
uh, scored the equalizer. Eric Giacometti will join us in a few moments' time to preview that. But I want to introduce a new segment, and I'm, I'm leaving it up to the listener what they want to call it, whether they want to call it Top 5 or High 5. I always like High 5 because I think of Borat, right? High 5, <laughs> Chinqui. But we want to make a list of our Top 5 whatever whatever the topic is on a weekly basis. That way you can write in, you can participate as well. And my thought for this week's high five or top five is the top five contenders for Toronto FC for the MLS Cup. So from five to one, with one being the top contender, five being a team that's in the mix, but maybe a little bit on the periphery, who are your top five contenders for the MLS Cup not named Toronto FC? We'll start with me, Terry, and we'll go back and forth. Down so there. coming in at number five, and we can choose from the West, or the, we can choose any so team in MLS, working our way up to the top contender for the MLS Cup. For me, coming in at number five is Sporting Kansas City. And that's based on one fact, and one fact alone is that this team can defend. They've only given up 23 goals all season long. They don't have a natural goal score after they traded away Dom Dwyer to Orlando City. But teams that can defend, they can keep those games tight, cagey. We saw them come into BMO Field earlier this year, put on a defensive clinic. They can stuff out matches. Uh, snuff out matches. They're well coached as well. That's a team for me that will always be dangerous because they can defend well. And not a whole lot of teams in this league can say that. Difficult place to go if, yes. if they meet them when it's over two legs. They they know how to win well, they and wouldn't get play it done. until the MLS Cup final, but but still, that's a team I'd be wary of. Yeah, and uh, they they obviously won the U.S. Open Cup this year, uh, and and I think. The biggest difference um, t to them this year to, to previous years is there's a real team-first mentality right. there, and, and, and it's all started with, with being so, so good defensively. For me, uh, number five is going to be Seattle Sounders. Okay. Seattle Sounders. A, a little bit lower, but you've probably got them a They're little bit higher. They're going to be higher on my list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the Sounders, um, I think they've strengthened – uh, this offseason made some good acquisitions. There's history, uh, obviously, the 2006 MLS Cup final last year. Um, I, I think they'll be uh, number five for me. Number four for me, FC Dallas. They were my preseason co-favorite alongside Toronto FC. Right now, they're in a playoff spot. And that's a team that, for me, over the course of this year, has completely underachieved. If this team doesn't go on a playoff run or doesn't even make the playoffs, then Oscar Pereira's job has to be on the line. It has to be. He cannot stay because this team has so much talent, so much pace. And if I'm any team in the West, Conference, I do not want to face that team come playoff time. I'm, I'm going to put them in number four as well, and ditto everything okay. you just said. Uh, I think Pereira, I don't think his job's under threat. I, I think uh, they've they've got a wonderful philosophy in Dallas of, of of really utilizing the academy. They've got if one player goes down, they'll bring another player up from the academy. Uh, they're an exciting team to watch, and they, they've they've been a little bit hit and miss with their form, especially recently. But on their day, uh, they're a very difficult team to stop, and then they've got so many exciting weapons going forward. But they have pace, and we saw it in the three-one defeat against Toronto FC. And, and, TFC, great that day. And, and that's something that TFC struggle with a little bit. If you look at the defeats this year, Dallas, Columbus, Atlanta. 
Atlanta. Um, sorry, I think Atlanta was a draw, but yeah. they, they struggle with uh, a, a little bit of pace, shall I say, at times in transition. Coming in at number three, you just mentioned that team, the Columbus Crew. I do not want to see the crew. One. For, for me, they're a team that runs hot and cold, but they're a team that matches up well with Toronto FC. Their front four, Kamara, Higuain, Maram, and company, they're very smart, intelligent with their movement off the ball. I think that Higuain causes Toronto FC nightmares because he freelances a lot. And you got to remember, Higuain, this looks to be his last year in Columbus, and this is a team, we saw them in, in Columbus, do a number against Toronto FC, but they snuck away and somehow found a victory in the second time in Columbus. 2-1 was the final, completely against the grain. I thought the 5-0 win at BMO Field was a little bit misleading. For me, the Columbus crew, the second most dangerous team to Toronto FC in the Eastern Conference. Akuda Mane as well. Yeah, he's, 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 he's always been a pain in TFC's ass. He's starting to hit a little bit of form. Watch him absolutely terrorize the Vancouver Whitecaps 10 days ago. Uh, yeah, I agree with that with, with the crew. I, I think they come in at number three for me. Um, they're, they're Ola Kamara up top, always looking to run him behind. Uh, he's a real threat. They've got a goal scorer in him as well. Okay, coming in. At number two, I'm going to go back out to the Western Conference, and that's where I'm putting the Seattle Sounders. They're tried, tested, and proven. They have a one of, if not the best goalkeeper in MLS, and Stefan Fry, another great save last night. Ridiculous off yeah. that Freddie Montero free kick. Like, th that's it. this Sounders team, I think, is arguably just as good or as even better than the team that won MLS Cup a year ago because Clint, Clint Dempsey's healthy. And, and that makes a, whole, a, a big deal. Ladero's on good form. I, I, what was that Rodriguez smoking weed celebration last yeah, night? Yeah, not 100% Rodriguez. They've picked you didn't him mention up on it on the league. broadcast, Terry. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even notice it last night. But like th this Seattle Sounders team, for me, they're the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah, I like Rodriguez. Ladero's good. Uh, you Important, though, that they have their main players fit. Alonzo limped out with a possible thigh strain. Torres, he limped out as well. So it, those are key, key pieces for them. But Torres and Marshall at the back are, are two of the best center yes. halves in the league together. Jones had a great year. Jones, like, Jones is on his way. He's off to Torsten Frings Club in Germany. Jones was, again, excellent last night. Roll down in midfield's good. But for number two, I'm going to go with Chicago Fire. Ooh, I think they're starting really? to... Really? Yeah, I think they're starting wow. to catch fire again a little bit now. Nikolic scored a couple last night he's, he's now on 20 on 20 year? goals 19, now 20, yeah. tied with uh valeri in portland um i'm gonna have a one and a half now actually <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> i just i just realized i want to sneak portland in there as well what yeah i think i think portland's my one and a half uh i i think they're the the best team uh though i've got my heart loves vancouver i think portland's the best team in the west and and uh i think they can't defend worth a lick. That's why they don't make my top five. And Vancouver doesn't make, make it either five. because they all they do is defend. They're one of the most dreadful teams to watch in this league. They just sit back, sit back. Reyna's been great for the White Cats, but Portland and Vancouver doesn't make my top five. Reyna looks, he was a little bit of a Mark man last night. Right. That when they took him out of the game, Caps were lacking one or two ideas. Uh, finally, Atlanta United's my top team. Because they have pace. I know that Almiron is out, but the way that this team is playing at home, if TFC or any team plays them on a on a home and away, this is the difficult thing here. 
because you're playing at a very difficult place. And sometimes being the better seed, playing the second game at home, that might not be an advantage. Depends how the first game plays out. But they have so much pace, so much talent. They, they're probably the best. They, I, I'd say they are the best expansion team in MLS history. And they're the most dangerous team for Toronto FC or anyone else on road on route to the MLS Cup. Agreed. I love Martinez up front. You don't know exactly what he's going to do no. with the ball. He's so unpredictable, so quick. They're a real dynamic team. And it's too bad one of the sides aren't in the West. This that I would love to see is the MLS Cup final. I, I think they're they're very good at home in, in their new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is out of this world. Rocking. Incredible. You're gonna have seventy thousand for playoff games. It's gonna be wild. They're in really good form right now. They're absolutely steamrolling teams right now. So that's going to be exciting last game of the season for TFC. No kidding. Those are our top five. You can let us know your top five or high five at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield. It's so bad. It's good. It's kind of like your commentary. It's so bad. It's good. Eric Giacometti stopping in next. We'll preview the match against the Red Bulls right here on Come On Your Reds. Is this the weekend? I think it is. The Supporters' Shield there for the taking. The New York Red Bulls standing in Toronto FC's way. Wheeler and Dunfield with you. Joined by the man that controls all information coming out of Toronto FC, Mr. Eric Giacometti, at Eric underscore Giacometti on Twitter. You guys laugh, but it's true, Eric. You are the man that wields all of the power at TFC. I, I wish that were the truth. That is the farthest thing from the truth. I, I wield some of the power, but no. All right, relax. Don't be all humble. You're, you're Xena Warrior Princess. I mean, the, the the guys up top. I just do I just do the Twitter, the Facebook, the site. But other than just that, everything, you know. <laughs> which is the means of communication. Look, uh, we all know what's on the line for Toronto FC. Just come away with a point, and they win the Sporter Shield. That's correct. They just need one point, right? Is that it? With New York City dropping points, although Atlanta did win. So I'll have to check the, the magic number again to make sure that that's the case. But I think a point would do it. Uh, either way, I'm sure they'll be looking to get the win just to solidify themselves and, and really get back on track because, you know, first time we've had back-to-back -back losses this year. So, you know, the guys are going to be looking to, to go out there and get three points at home. Eric used to cover the Red Bulls. No one, at least in this city, knows New York better than this man sitting to my right. The Red Bulls, what do you guys call it? A kick in the you-know-what, kick in the stones, kick in the junk. On Wednesday night, a 3-3 draw with D.C. United. This team, however, still sits in a playoff position. But are they trending in the right direction, Eric? No, I mean, it's, it's been a very rough last few weeks. I don't think they've had a win since the middle of August, so it's been a, a rough time, not to mention they lost the U.S. Open Cup final against Sporting Kansas City, so that was a gut punch in and of itself. And then, you know, you have a, a rival game against D.C. at home. You're looking to try to build back a little bit of momentum ahead of this big match in Toronto, and they, of, of course, they outplay D.C. D.C.'s a team that has really nothing to play for other than to play spoiler. They get the lead at the end of the game after coming back 3-2, and uh, a last-minute own goal does them in, and you can kind of see a, a deflated team, and they're going to have to try to build themselves back up again ahead of this really big match on Saturday. They still have a four-point lead on the seventh position in the Eastern Conference. They're sitting in the sixth spot right now. They're on 43 points. The one thing I will say about the Red Bulls, they're one of the most watchable teams in the league based upon the way that they play. 
Yeah, they're, they're always entertaining to watch. When you look at the amount of energy they put into a game, uh, the high press is kind of their staple, and you know exactly what you're going to get from a Jesse Marsh team. They're going to run you all over the pitch, and it, as you mentioned before, it does make for an open game. You're going to see uh, chances at both ends because if they're, if they're stretched, they're going to get hit on the counter, but they could also create a lot of turnovers high up the field, and that's where a lot of their, their offense comes from. When you get the ball turned over, you get the ball to guys like Sasha Kleschen. He can pl play it into Riley Wright Phillips, who's still one of the most dangerous strikers in MLS, and whenever you get those guys involved, you're going you're gonna to make for an entertaining game. Do they have... I, I, I didn't watch the game on Wednesday night, but do they have proper depth to come into Toronto FC and be fresh against a team that's played a week off? Like, because I, I know that BWP started last night, Kleschen played, Lawrence, some of their top players, but do they have enough in reserves to kind of find another gear to come in and really challenge TFC? Well, that's the toughest thing, I think, for, for any team coming to BMO, especially on short rest. They're going to have to rotate the squad a little bit. They are bolstered a little bit by Danny Royer coming back. He's been out for a long time, who was coming off of a player of the month performance. I like him, good player. Yeah, great, great winger coming in from, from Austria. He's a, a, a tricky winger that I think will probably get the start on Saturday. They're going to try to get him ramped up because they don't have a lot of time to waste. They really need to get some points, but uh, they don't have the depth that TFC has, let's be honest, and uh, not too many teams do. But they'll be looking to rotate the squad. I'm sure they're going to they're, they're gonna put Bradley and Sasha right back out there. Uh, if they can get Aaron Long back in the lineup, that would be a, a big piece in the center of the defense. But they're, they're not going to be able to, uh, to hold anything back. They're going to have to go for it because at this point in the season, they need to start picking up points. Eric, interesting, they've been playing with a back three this year, and, and, and their two fullbacks, Lade and Adams, I thought they were excellent against D.C., bombing forward. Adams gets his first MLS goal, screamer, the first goal. Uh, I, I think out wide is going to be really important, and, and it'll be a key battle for TFC. And as you said, Cleston, he's the player you need to stop. He pulls the strings uh, for the New York Red Bulls. I also like Felipe, came over from the Montreal Impact. Jesse Marsh brought him, used to coach there. Uh, he's a real industrious midfielder. Yeah, it's been a, a different type of season for the Red Bulls this year. They've really made their, their bread and butter off that 4-2-3-1 that formation. That's the one that won it, uh, the Supporters Shield for them back in 2015. They've tried to experiment with a 4-2-2-2 uh, for the, the past two or three seasons now, and it really just hasn't come off. And now Jesse's kind of implemented this weird, like almost a 3-6-1, but they're playing with, with wing backs that can also tuck in. And you mentioned Tyler Adams. He's my player to watch for this one. He's a, a tremendous kid. I watched him, you know, growing up through the academy. and, and you know, Part with, of the with, reason why they let Dax McCarty go? Yep, that's, that's a big part of it is they wanted to get him and Sean Davis some more minutes, and those were guys that were on the outside looking in. They're young kids that, that are trying to break into the team, but when you have a player like Dax, you, you can't can't really bench him so they tried to do their best to get as much as they could for him and ironically now Tyler Adams is playing out in the right back spot because that's where they need him the most that was my first thought yeah, yeah strange that he's now playing at least he's found a position in a right, role well but. he's I, I think he's probably the most versatile player on that team he could pretty much play anywhere on the field wherever you put him he's going to make an impact I mean you saw him score his first two MLS goals from the right back position he's a tremendously talented player with a, a, a massive engine and he's someone to watch out for do you think Paranel at, at center half's a bit of a weak link, someone that, that TFC might be able to expose? I, th I think so. At, at this juncture in his career, I mean, he was tremendous in that Supporters Shield winning team in 2015 next to Matt Miazga, but I think his best days in MLS are behind him at this point. Uh, as I mentioned, I think getting Aaron Long back in there, that would be a big help. Uh, I think he'll probably get a chance in the starting lineup. Fidel Escobar with the own goal at the end of the season, they're trying to get him acclimated. He hasn't impressed me very much. So they're going to have to try to find that, that 
formula. Aurelian Collin, a big player in the center in the center of the defense, he has been missing. Yeah. We need to get him back on uh, up to up to speed because without him uh, and without Aaron Long in that defense, they they have a lot of questions to be asked. Yeah, I mean. Th- the one guy that I think of when it comes to the Red Bulls is Bradley Ray Phillips. No player in MLS has scored more goals against TFC than B- BWP. It's him and Piatti that seem to have TFC in their pocket each and every time. It's and, and he's a player that just owns the box, owns the area. Drew Morris had some nightmares against Wright Phillips before. For me, he's going to be the key guy to watch. You still want to concede early because of a Bradley Wright Phillips goal and start chasing the match. Yeah, he always is, and it's it always shocks me that... Uh... He's not brought up more in conversations when you talk about the best goal scorers in MLS, some of the best players in MLS. He's been over the last, what, he's had a 27-goal season in 2014 and 2016, uh, sandwiched in between a 17-goal season. That's a down year for him. So the, the fact that he's consistently up there amongst the top players, uh, you know, everyone th- thought he wouldn't be able to do it without Thierry Henry. He's proving them wrong. He continues to be uh, just one of the most dangerous goal scorers in MLS, and he's someone to watch for. I, I played with him in the youth team at Manchester City. I lived with his older brother, Sean Wright Phillips. I know him really well. Awesome guy off the pitch as well. Really humble. He's just a pure goal scorer for me. He, he won't get involved in, in the build-up. He won't look to link up play. His role is just to get on the end of things. He really comes alive in the box, and he's he's a little bit like Nicholas in Chicago he doesn't need many opportunities if he gets a chance whatever it might be whether it's off his head whether it's off his butt he just finds a way to score and even more so unfortunately against TFC in recent years so TFC will need to marshal him uh, as well as cutting out the service to him uh, from Sasha Kleschen. But that's something he's actually gotten better if you talk about his his link-up play I think that's something he's developed into his game in the last few years he's more comfortable dropping deep into the midfield a lot like you see Javinko do maybe not to the extent but he can come and collect the ball hold the ball up and, and play with runners off of him and that's something he's done very well getting involved in the in the attack more than just being the guy to finish off the play TFC will have to deal with the New York Red Bulls high press uh, look it's a difficult week for the Red Bulls I think the context is much better for Toronto FC this match are going to be healthy the only question really is whether Sebastian Javinko plays or not I'm totally cool with him hanging out till the international break is done next week and then bring him back nice and fresh for the final three games of the year you're, you're smirking. Good luck telling Javinko to just no, chill but, out. Well, he's, he doesn't he's like been he out the, the how many? The last three, four games? So... I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play. Other than that, Greg Vanny is going to have a wide variety. He's full selection, full goods to choose from. Um, prediction time. Terry. How do you think it's going to play out? Are we popping bottles? Is Saturday night going to be an epic party night in Liberty Village? I want to eat some fruit off that shield. <laughs> I'm bringing grapes to the game. Okay. I, I think they win, and uh, and it's the start of a run leading into some good form to the playoffs. Let's, I'm let's hope go they're with... not sour grapes. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I love the classics. I think it's uh, 3-1, TFC. Okay. Eric? Uh well, TFC has a history of don't uh, say, of making, don't no, say no, New York they, Red they Bulls. Ha, no, no, no. They have a history <laughs> of making history against the Red Bulls. That was actually my first game at BMO Field really? in 2015 when Javinko comes off the bench and scores the goal of the season. So 
I think we'll see a repeat of that. We'll see a 2 nothing TFC win. They'll clinch the shield. They'll get the three points, and they'll they'll get back on track as the playoffs are that the Javinko goal where he cuts everybody? Yes. Oh, what a goal that That's was. That's one of the, if not the epic goal in Toronto. Do you say savagery? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. savagery. There's that. There's the Haglin goal in the rain. Like, these in the Benny Sheru against the Montreal Olympics. These are the goals that I remember. No offense, none of yours come to mind. Uh, for, sorry, Terry. Uh, I'm going to one-up you, Terry. Savagery. 4-1, Toronto FC will beat the Red Bulls on Saturday. Supporter Shield party. Afterwards, hit up Terry. Under, party at Wheeler's new home. He just party, bought in Leslieville. Party What's at Terry's condo on Saturday <laughs> night. Eric, what's cooking on Toronto? Uh, TorontoFC.ca, at TorontoFC on Twitter. Oh, we've, we've got plenty of, we got We Are TFCs. We've got All For Ones. We've got... Plenty of HQs on, on the docket, so keep it locked on torontofc.ca. We got all your coverage th throughout the regular regular season and the playoffs coming up. Good stuff. Follow him on Twitter as well, uh, on Twitter as well at Eric underscore Giacometti. Um, and we're just about done here. Toronto FC, New York Rebels, Saturday night, 7 p.m. BMO Field. Watch on TSN. Can't wait. Should be a massive celebration because we're predicting victory for TFC. On behalf of Eric, on behalf of Terry, I'm Wheels. This is Bean. Come on, you Reds.